Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with part two of this message entitled, The Final Judgment. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter two. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. The final eternal judgment. When I was talking to a PhD, he, he didn't know exactly what I was saying. So PhDs, please listen carefully. First point, the judge is God. God himself is the judge. And God appears seven times in this particular passage. He is the judge. And the judgment is according to truth. And God's judgment is sure and certain. He fixed a day to do this. If God doesn't judge sinners, then he is not God. He must judge every sin and every sinner. If not, he is a Hindu God. He is both good and evil. Our God is moral God. He is good God. There is no darkness in him, so judgment is a necessity. And he will judge. Number four, this judgment is personal and universal. Every person who ever lived on the face of the earth will be raised up and be judged. And so I said, don't blame your mother and father and uncle and government. We are a blame-shifting people. It will not work when we stand before God. Number five, it is according to words, kata ta erga. According to works we have done in our body. Number six, this judgment is without respect of persons. Jews thought they were superior to the Gentiles. And we may think we are superior to the Jews and to the Gentiles. No, God has no grandchildren. God has no favoritism. And the judgment is according to truth revealed to you. The Gentiles had creation and the work of the Lord written in their hearts, conscience. The Jews also had the law and we also have the New Testament, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We Christians have the maximum knowledge. Therefore, our judgment will be maximum. I said phony antinomian Christians will be punished more severely as we read in Luke 12. And I said the bottom of hell is reserved for Christians who refuse to bow down and worship and serve Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will judge them. 
now come to number eight. And we are told in chapter 2 and verse 16. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets. Secrets. As I already said, God is omniscient. He is hard to know. Before him we stand naked as Adam and Eve after they had sinned. Fig leaf defense shall not stand. Remember, they brought a woman to Jesus who was caught in the very act of adultery. But there was none who was without sin to cast the first stone at her. John 8. Jesus was writing on the ground with his finger. What was he writing? Maybe their sins. He knows the secret sins. He knows every idle word we spoke. We know what we did in that hotel far away from your home. When nobody was watching. He knows our every thought and word and deed. Jesus said to the Pharisees. You clean the outside of the cup. But inside you. You are full of greed and wickedness. And I said people take to their graves. Certain secrets. Maybe they killed somebody. They never told anybody. He knows all of our adulteries and fornication and greed and abortions. And all wickedness that nobody knows about. So on the day of judgment he will open the books. And judge the secrets of men. Number nine. God judges through the agency of his son Jesus Christ. Verse 16. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ. The Jewish people had a belief that God himself will judge. Not the Messiah. God himself will judge. But in 2.16 we read that God judges through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ whom they rejected. Whom they mocked. Whom they refused to trust in. You will meet him. Ask the judge. Jesus the incarnate son. Jesus, who kept the law and lived a holy life. Jesus, who said, Thy will be done. Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. Jesus, who was raised on the third day, according to his own prophecy. Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Everyone will meet him. Christopher Hitchens. Scientist. 
Dawkins and everybody else. But they all will meet Jesus Christ. Those who left this church to do sin shall meet him. And to them will be reserved the lowest place in hell. Because they received the most clear articulation of the gospel. That you cannot find in this region. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. Chapter 2. Beginning with verse 9. Because of Christ's obedience. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Highest place. Far above all rule and authority. Gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is the Father's will that his Son be honored and obeyed and worshipped and respected and revered and go to hell. It will be done. St. Paul speaks about this in Acts chapter 17. To the mockers of Athens. This is what he says. Verse 30 and 31. In the past God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands. Sir, commands. There is no begging. I don't beg you to trust in Jesus Christ. I command you. To trust in Jesus Christ. I command you to repent. I command you to believe in Jesus Christ. For your own eternal salvation. So we don't have some soft music and all these other things. Such a pleading. We don't plead. We command. As God's agents. In the past God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent for. If you don't want to repent, well, here is motivation. For he has set a day. Who God, when he will judge the world with justice by the man, the man. He has appointed and he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. And you will see him. Turn with me to John chapter 5. Listen to what Jesus himself said about this ministry of judgment. John 5 verse 22. Moreover the father judges no one. But has entrusted all judgment to the son. For what purpose? That all may honor the Son. Just as they honor the Father. And verse 27. And he has given him authority to judge. Because he is the Son of Man. And you will see him judging. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. 
And here is the judgment of Christians. Chapter 7. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day. That day that is fixed. That day that is appointed. That day is called the great day of his wrath. That day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And he speaks the same thing in chapter 25. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. And he will judge all. And verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. No, Christianity is not an appendix. An irrelevant Adornment, it is life itself. And Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, the last letter of St. Paul, and this is what he said. Verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Second Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, we read this today, let me read it again, verse, beginning with verse 6. God is just, he will pay back. Trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. And he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out. From the presence of the Lord and from the majesty on of his power on that day he comes to be glorified in his saints. Friends, if you are outside Christ, God brought you here today. And God brought you here maybe many times before. Surrender to Jesus by repentance and faith or be judged by him on that day that is sure and certain number 10 this judgment is according to my gospel verse 16 according to my gospel what does that mean Paul has a gospel Peter has a gospel Pastor Matthew has a gospel liberals they have a gospel, charismatics, a different gospel. What is it? What does it mean according to my gospel? That expression appears at other times also. No, there is only one gospel. 
It is the gospel of God. It is the gospel of God's Son. Now let me prove it to you. Galatians chapter 1 and beginning with verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. There is only one gospel. Or chapter 2 of Galatians, beginning with verse 6. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. They agreed with me. There's only one gospel. You want to know what that gospel is? Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And what is the gospel? For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and so on. That's the gospel. What Paul is saying, this judgment, this outpouring of God's wrath, ought to be part of the gospel. Any preaching of the gospel devoid of this judgment aspect, this wrath aspect of God is deficient. It is a false gospel, a synthetic gospel that downsizes God. Such a gospel separates God's love from God's holiness and justice. Such a gospel promotes the evil of antinomianism. Americans are allergic to anybody telling them to do anything. We demand absolute freedom. When the government is taking away freedom every day, no problem as long as I can have fun. It doesn't matter. Absolute freedom. We don't obey parents. We don't obey anybody. We are autonomous beings. Particular problem of Americans and the Europeans. It's tragedy. We don't want any restraint. Number 11, it's a righteous judgment. Verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment, dikaiokrisis, one word, righteous judgment. All judgments of men, even men of the Supreme Court of the United States, are marred by error and evil. God's judgment is righteous. For God is righteous. And it will be just. It will be according to all facts correctly interpreted. And to this all people must look forward to. No favoritism. Number 12. 
what is going to be the verdict. And it is recorded in chapter 2, 6 through 9. God will give it to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, in the Greek, who disobey the truth and obey evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being. Who does evil first for the Jew and then for the Gentiles. But glory, honor and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And for us who are righteous, justified, who love God, who persist. In doing good. Persevere in doing good. We receive eternal life. We receive glory, honor, immortality, peace. God will give us. So for those who by perseverance do good. Seeking glory, honor and immortality from God. Will receive eternal life. Good works are the result and fruit of justification by faith. Faith without good works is the devil's faith. It's a lie. The true believer, they do good works, not once in a while, but with perseverance. That is their nature. He brings forth fruit, more fruit, much fruit for the Father's glory, even in the midst of great trials and tribulations. He receives eternal life. He receives fullness of salvation. He receives glory from God. He receives honor from God. He receives immortality from God. That is the resurrection of the body. And we are told we receive an imperishable body, a glorious body, a spiritual body, a body of honor. A body that is engineered by the Spirit to exist in heaven, in the presence of God. I am holy, so be holy. And he will make us holy. He makes us glorious. He makes us honorable. He makes us immortal. We were sinners. We came short of the glory of God, honor of God and immortality. We became mortal. Wages of sin is death. But thank God, he gives us all that we lack. Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 2. And look, let's look at the purpose of Christ's incarnation. Verse 10, in bringing many sons to glory. That tells us we didn't have any glory. We were dishonorable. We're dying people. 
restless people. But here God sent his son to bring us to glory. And let's turn to the book of Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 and 2, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That is, we rejoice in hope of the second coming of Christ at which time we shall be glorified. So chapter 8 of Romans and verse 23 it says here not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons even the redemption of our body. Or look at chapter 8 Beginning with verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. We shall be like him in glory, in honor, in immortality. That he might be the first son born among many brothers and those he predestined he also called. Those he called he also justified and those he justified he also glorified. Absolute certainty of our glory. Second Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 4 beginning with verse 16 and as I really take a look at your body. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. That arthritis on your neck and on your brain and on your hip and on your knee, you cannot move. Especially early in the morning, you want to get up, man, it's pain all over. The kids, they jump out of bed. And here you are dragging yourself. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We are destined for glory. And 2 Timothy chapter 1. And verse 10, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death for us and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus Christ destroyed our death and brought us to immortality. We live every day for the glory of God. And God lives to glorify us. To honor us. Grant us immortality. Grant us peace. That we may live with God forever in eternal bliss. You talk about fun. You talk about fun, young people. You talk about fun. In his presence, there is fullness of joy 
and on his right hand pleasures forevermore. That's the purpose for which God has created us. Unending happiness. What about those who suppress truth, exchange it for a lie? What about those who are stubborn and unrepentant? Verse 32 of chapter 1 says, They know they are going to receive death. They know it in their own being as they are sinning. They know. And here we are told they receive wrath, anger, trouble, distress. And you can read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. Go home and read it. They lived by enmity, selfish ambition. They disobeyed the truth and obeyed freely wickedness. They abused God's kindness, forbearance and long-suffering. And so they must die an eternal death. And experience the fullness of the fury of God's wrath. Their lifetime cumulative sin will be taken into full account. Tell your unbelieving friends to pray that they can die sooner than later. Because longer they live, they are increasing their sin and guilt and punishment. Or tell them to shoot themselves. Do something. Number 13, this judgment begins, the first phase of it, begins at death. Now, have you ever thought about when you go to a funeral, you say, where did this person go? We have become materialists, we never ask that question. Where did this person go? That thing over there, that's not the person. There was a person. What happened to this person? Where did he go? Oh, the priest would say, well, I'm th I think he's uh, somewhere in the purgatory or about or behind it or I don't know where somebody. If you can give me more money, I will see what I can do. <laughs> it's a business. At death, the rich man who ignored God's truth that Lazarus spoke about, the rich man knew there was law and the prophets. He ignored God's truth in creation, conscience, in the law and the prophets. He lived abusingly. He abused God's abundance of goodness. And he died. And we are told, Jesus said it, went to hell. You know where your father went, your mother went, your uncle went? Did you, did you think about that and where they exist right at the present time? Those who mocked God and his word in hell. He was in fire, in torment, in agony. Experiencing God's wrath, anger, trouble and distress. But that's just the beginning. Just the beginning. It's a first phase. God will raise him up. Everyone who died in his sins will be raised up and judged and thrown into the lake of fire. 
and go home and read John 5, 28 and 29, Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. But let me read to you the book of Revelation, chapter 20. And we read in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated. Who do you think, uh, Brother Budding, who is on the throne? We are not told, according to what I said. Jesus Christ is on the throne. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Mr. Darwin will be there. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he has done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire along with the devil and the false prophet and the Antichrist. So let me read it, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophets had been thrown. And now, if you believe in annihilationism, there is no such thing. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. And I say to you, it won't be fun. That's the one thing it won't be. Jesus tells us these facts. It is his revelation, not our invention. There is no annihilation of the, of the dead. That is an invention of man, a contradiction of the words of Jesus. Let me conclude. What shall we do in the light of this sober truth of the final and eternal judgment? The answer, your mother who died can do nothing. It's finished. Or your father, your uncle, or your children who died without Christ, nothing can be done. And don't believe the Roman Catholic Church or any church that says something can be done. Nothing can be done. It is appointed for man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Their destiny is sealed, but you are living. You are living, son, daughter, you are living. Friend, you are living. With your arthritis, yes, but you are living. And you are here. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus. He is the judge. But he is also the savior. The only savior of the world. The cross reveals God's justice, God's wrath, as well as his love. Father judged Jesus in our behalf. Poured out every drop of wrath 
upon him. And no wrath remains for us. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, the wicked cannot escape the judge or judgment. Do not flee from him. Do not try to hide from him, but hide in him. Yes. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. People have all the time in the world to seek fun and enjoy fun. Fun of sin sends you to hell. Seek Christ. Seek eternal life. Seek glory, honor, immortality. Seek peace. Repent and believe. There are only two peoples. Believers, unbelievers. Only two ways. The broad and the narrow. Only two destinies. Eternal life and eternal death. Now is the opportune time. Flee to Christ and be safe forevermore. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help your people to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon entitled, The Final Judgment, Part 2. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.